One. Oh, We're he live. sleeper made me live. He didn't oh, give me any countdown. Hello and welcome uh, back to what, Mans with Opinions, what, the what? best place to get mildly informed opinions what? in all this week's tech news. This is version 2.6, and today we'll be covering some stuff. I don't have the topic list open. We're going to be talking about AI copyrights, uh, Neuralink, because they're in the news my, real my bad. My stopped working. Sorry. Hi, guys. Oh, that's why I you didn't giving, give me a heads up. I was up. giving oh. you a countdown, and then this man accuses me of not giving him a countdown. I was about to cry and break down on screen. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess we're live. But anyways, we're also going to be talking about EV adoption uh, and Intel's pay-as-you-go CPUs. So it's going to be a stacked show. We've got a lot to cover because we missed last week, and we're not yes. missing a beat. So here we are. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Mac. I'm doing swell. How are you doing, Mac? You want to give us a little update? Oh, uh, some life updates. I would love to. Uh, miss the podcast, of course. Um, I always love uh, spending my, my Wednesday nights here. And, um, oh, I, I didn't fill anything in on my notes section. Wonderful. Um, but I, I do... You're going to have to improvise I do have life. a life, though. Um, <laughs> Monday, when ice fishing... For the first time in a long time, um, went up to my so parents' place. Can you explain why you're catching ice? Mm. No, so i fishing on the ice, um, oh, and I got a walleye, which is good. It was like two-pounder, perhaps this big. I, I yeah. ate it. It was 10 out of 10. Good. I, I haven't caught one of those before. So um, why didn't well, you pay for like, it in Canadian dollars? Why was it in pounds? Hmm? Why was it? Why did you pay for it in pounds? Oh God! Why did I pay for it in pounds? Yeah, you know, honey guy. With with um, the really terrible jokes you tell, mm -hmm. you'd think you were a father or something. Like those, um, they're they're all dad jokes. No, no he's not he's he's just average Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm just um, trying to be a comedian. But yeah, um, I've I've been applying to jobs, kind of on that grind. Um, I've my uh, first job interview of the semester coming up in a, a couple days, so super excited poggers, about that. Poggers, poggers. Thanks. Um, so yeah, super excited about that. Um, and then reading week, trying to use this like the rest of this time to kind of position myself. So um, I I get work done, like I get ahead on on some classes, so I can kind of spread my work out a little bit more. Thanks and, for the uh, sub, Matt. By the way, appreciate it. Well, thank oh, you, thank you. Thanks, thank man. You. Um, and that that's about it for me. What about you, Nasher? So it's reading week. I've been playing video games. That's been pretty fun. I don't get much of a chance to play video games without having stress, so it's kind of fun. Uh, also, I also got an interview tomorrow, which I'm very stressed about. It's a Shopify interview, so that's kind of yikes. Ooh. Ooh, I'm really excited. It's the first time I've ever been like excited for an interview. So uh, also, wow! Don't let your former employers hear that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, Hey guy, you know, the last two interviews I did, I woke up like 20 minutes before them and uh, just kind of, yeah, that's about it. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so I uh, played pool the other day. It was pretty fun. Got some sushi with with the boys. Uh, I've actually had a lot of sushi recently and I have like, strangely, I've had like, a huge craving for sushi recently. So um, that's been pretty fun. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah. What about you, Nathan? Oh my God. I have been grinding so hard. Okay, so first off, I finally, like the whole family, has finally tested negative for COVID. We are we are making our way to the clear. Poggers. Uh, 
but at the moment, uh, like, my dad and I are still, like, you can hear the coughing through the walls. Like, all the other symptoms are gone, right? Uh, Except for being a little bit tired, but that might just be because I'm doing too many things. Uh, Mm. But, yeah, uh, the cough is sticking around, but that's, like, normal for me, right? Every previous winter, I get sick in, like, January. And then all the symptoms are gone after a week and a half or so, the usual. And then the cough persists until spring, just mildly. You know, I'm on the bus and I'm just, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. But since this is COVID, it's like, it sounds like my lungs are trying to escape my body. So anyways, that happened. <laughs> How does that sound like? Uh, I, I'm estimating. I'm really, I'm giving it my mm. best guess. So you haven't had but... any experience with like lungs leaving bodies, have you? Not personally, okay. no. Okay. Just, make, just making yeah. sure. Just clarifying. Yeah, just clarifying I've played a lot of. Yeah, I've been. I've played a lot of really gory video games. Mm-hmm. So there's some of that content there. But hey, he's uh, he's into astral projection and crystals and stuff. He can <laughs> he can visualize it. Yeah, just. Um, but other than that, I I gave a presentation for like my tech comms class, and I've been working on my lit review for that same class, uh, and it was review. nice. Yeah, man. What's lit review? We're reviewing all things lit. Lit. But like, <laughs> uh, just looking over all of the literature for a, a research space before you start doing research in it so that you know what's been done and where research ha- should be done. Uh, so that's why this is here. If For those of you listening on the podcast later, I've got sticky notes all over my wall because I don't have a whiteboard, and that's wow. how I brainstorm. So wow. it's been fun. Yeah, that's great. That's that's been the that's been my life. Huh. Well, you know, pretty interesting. See, busy's better than than not busy. You know, you know the old saying. You know, they're like twenty bucks on Amazon, right? Like a, a whiteboard. You know, a little small handheld whiteboard. I want. I think I need space when I think. Uh-huh. Uh So, like, I don't even like. I I I, I was taking notes on my my tablet for a while mm-hmm. and I just switched back to paper uh, I I still like it for if I'm going to in-person classes because I only have to carry one thing it's good for mm-hmm. class notes but when I'm brainstorming I want to like put an idea down on one page and have that there and then put an idea down on another page and have that there and then I can step back and see all of the different things at once and how they connect to one another and what what I like and that's why the wall is a thing, because I just have all of these different ideas, and I, I move them around and connect them that way. Hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, it's like yeah, because I I totally get it. Like the the screen size is so limiting. You can just have like ten pieces of paper out on your desk if you want. Like there's nothing stopping you. Yeah, yeah. It's just I, I, it's just so much more effective for visualizing ideas. Uh, so yeah. So. All right. You guys want to get into the first topic? I think it's time. I would love to get into the first topic, not sure. So everybody loves copyright, you know. You know, copyright. It, yeah. Everyone loves it. Okay. You know, yeah. if there's no copyright, we wouldn't be alive right now. You know, everyone would be. The society would be in chaos, right? Everyone, yeah, society yeah. would crumble. Governments would be in dysfunction. Okay. So recently. Uh, well, not recently. This is a addition to something that happened three years ago. Uh, recently, there was a, a, a uh, like a ruling passed by the like the, the Copyright Review Board of the United States Copyright Office, I guess, um, that basically said that stuff made by an AI 
can't be copyrighted so they gave an example of a like a like a regular piece of artwork and like a really cool image that was made by an ai by a guy who was like hey my ai made this thing it should be copyright material because you know it's creative and cool and well that's actually gorgeous though right it looks cool it is really nice i'll pop it can you on... put that up on stream let me quickly try is it well i don't think it's copyright uh... <laughs> So here yeah, right. we would not be here. So, here, <laughs> so here's the image for everybody looking on stream. It looks pretty sick. I don't think I could make that. So, you know, that's already a big achievement right there. Um, but basically, yeah, the, the, the copyright office said that, hey, anything made by an I AI... on stream. Can, you don't see it on stream? No. Oh. But Weird. Are you, is it delayed? Because... Do you, Nathan? No, I don't see it on stream either. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I just... We'll just drop the link. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. It's pretty sick. But yeah, that that was uh, basically yeah, and uh, the argument is talking about how you know uh, I don't think a human could make that, or like you know I don't I don't it's something creative. And what do you guys think? Should it be copyright? Should it not be copyright? Is it different because it's a piece of machinery that made it, or does it not matter? I I think. It totally matters, like, if you use an AI that somebody else coded, mm -hmm. and you use a data set that somebody else, like, got, like, somebody else collected, mm -hmm. and you make something with that, like, just putting those two together, you absolutely do not deserve to copyright. Okay. Like, because none of that is yours. But, if you create an AI, or you use a pre-existing AI and bring, like, a novel data set to it, I think that constitutes something that can be copyrighted. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's that's interesting, and I get where you're coming from, but there is a, there's a real problem, especially in, like, copyrighted software, where there's a... How do you draw the threshold for adequately different that you now own it? Uh, so one of the things that would be really easy to do is... Let's say I'm dealing with a neural network. Hmm. You could you could easily just you you could like tweak one layer of that mm -hmm. neural network. And and when we're talking about convolutional neural networks, deep neural networks, these things are uh, there. There could be a hundred layers to this thing, and each one of them could have a bunch of nodes. And if you tweak one thing, it's like do you is that now a new architecture that you own, or mm. and and so does that give you rights? Does that give you the right to copyright the work produced by that? Because if so. You could you could easily skirt around this. Well, maybe not easily. You still have to understand the code of a neural network. But yeah. <laughs> you could you could skirt around that problem with some with some ease. So, my argument kind of. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Go ahead. I feel like it's kind of like. I feel I feel like it's it's just it's it's creativity. You know, like the you know AI an AI basically essentially to dumb it down about something i'm not qualified to talk about uh it takes a bunch of data That's what we're here for mixes it around finds something cool and spits it out right like you know it takes yeah, a bunch yeah. of input in finds patterns puts those together whatever whatever things they look like whatever patterns it thinks look cool together sticks them together throws them out that's kind of what we do too like you know when you're making mm -hmm. a piece of artwork you're kind of referencing things you've experienced before and seen before and dreamt about i don't think it's any different from that uh, I feel like it's the exact same thing. So okay, so I think the the two of us, Mac and I, made the assumption that a human would own this. Are you saying that the AI should own this? The AI should have the copyright. I guess that makes zero sense for the copyright because then nobody can use it. 
<laughs> that's true how does that how does that, i mean like i get the idea you're saying like okay this was created by something else that did the thinking right in in air thinking quotes, yeah mm-hmm. right yeah so so that thing that did the thinking the ai should be the thing that owns it and has the right to do the copyrights mm-hmm. right or to the i don't know what the phrasing on that is um so i mean i would agree just like from a really abstract philosophical standpoint just saying like the thing that did the thinking should have the ownership of i the think thing. the thing that owned the thing that the thinking has ownership for now saying yeah so the per- the person okay my problem is just like joe blow should not be able to just like use an ai without understanding any of it and spit out like random stuff without doing any work at all you know like there's just nothing there's no like skill there's no novelty there I don't know. Something seems the work wrong is about the that. Computation like, power that he still has to like delegate but, to the. Let's say he runs the AI on his computer or like something like that. Yeah. Or a cloud service. Uh, you know, you still like. It's still kind of like you're still putting in the work. It's just not physical work now. It's just computation work that you still like. Had to queue up. You know, kind of. I don't know how to. I'm trying to okay. drop parallel between like NFTs and this right now. And I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Dude, I have this a was a, in my we head. finally had an episode without NFTs, and you're trying to bring them in. Yeah. Oh my god. Because it's like it. It feels like the same argument, similar to like ownership of NFTs, where that shit is dumb. Whatever the dumb uses of artwork, blah blah blah. But the ownership's still there in my mind, right? Same thing here. Well, what skill are you putting in? Like minting, essentially, you could mint any. You could mint like a a white one by one pixel right and that's still minting an nft i think it's kind of similar to that i don't know i think i think a a more a more a closer analogy here is uh software as a service that you continue to sell as a service because Mm -hmm. it generates you 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 create a thing Mm -hmm. and then it generates something and in software as a service, you would assume that it generates some amount of productivity somehow, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And what you're selling to people is the productivity that your software generates, and that's the service that you're selling. But you only have to do that once. You create the thing once, and then it continues to create value without your input anymore. Yeah. And you can sell that. Now, if you create a thing and and you you put that input once, right? You develop the AI and the and the... Um, and the data set, mm-hmm. then it continues to produce value in the form of artwork at this point. Sure. And so in the same way that you have ownership over software that you treat as a service, you should have ownership over software that creates value through art, right? The art, you could even call the generation of artwork the service. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think, I think it comes back to, it comes back to that. Whoever wrote the thing, should have ownership yeah and um and not the person who's just implementing it or, or yeah. like or using the tool i think that's not if you fair. used mm-hmm. if you use an open source ai or something that everybody has access to mm-hmm. and a data set that multiple people have access to you can't really copyright it right because then anybody can just completely replicate what you've made technically like with a, a similar program and data set like in mm-hmm. theory you can just replicate it without owning it at all and just generate that image yourself like in the in terms of the artwork maybe like if you knew what this guy i don't know how the guy did it mm-hmm. um well, the guy who so there's definitely kind of a fine line copyright laws 
to it in Canada at least. The guy so, who made the image? The initial one, yeah. We have in Canada you have implicit copyright laws. If you make something, you implicitly get copyright laws to it in Canada. Huh. Really? Yeah, I talked about this in Ethics <laughs> class this week, actually, funny enough. Or last week. Um Oh yeah. nice. In the US it's explicit. If you make something and you don't put copyright on it, it's free domain. Anyone can copy it and click copyright on it. But in in Canada, oh. once you make something, it's automatically implicit. And if someone else makes the same thing and then says, hey, I made this first, like they go to the copyright office and make it. Whoever made the thing first gets the implicit copyright and then it becomes explicit copyright after that if it goes to court. But yeah. Uh, That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. What if the person doesn't like do anything? Like, does the person who has that initial copyright, if they don't do anything with it, do they still have the copyright? Like if they're not trying to sell it, Mm -hmm. if they're not trying to like share it with people and somebody else... Even if that other person doesn't know that they made that thing, well, it's like how does that work? The art, so, like, if it's let's say if someone makes something, right, and then you mm-hmm. come up with that same thing, um, like come up with the exact same thing uh, uh, in different bubbles, right, and you start selling it, or whatever, that's fine because like no one's okay. going to court against each other. But if that second right. person, the new person, made it and with the intention of like going to court against the initial person, being like, hey, I actually made this, even though they didn't, then it would like be enforced and stuff but if it's two different bubbles of people then it doesn't matter until it goes to court so yeah so u.s officials have said you can't copyright ai created art at all i think that's 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 what's passed so i mean we're all sort of on the side of whoever wrote the ai or at least you like I think there's varying degrees here. Like if they use a UI with an or an AI with a novel data set in a way somebody else mm-hmm. hasn't combined, maybe that's valid. Um, but there is some notion here that we think you should be able to copyright AI. Yeah. What do we know? What grounds they've set for this? Like why they don't believe that this? Um, yeah, it, they did actually. Yeah? Because if I can find the exact, I want to quote it. I do remember reading it. It came down to the fact that um, there was no human involved uh must yeah so the the copyright works must be created by a human being is like the definition of copyright technically mm-hmm. in u.s law oh. and there's no creation by a human i guess um i'm just reading through this real quick to find the yeah a copyright work must be created by a human being and the office says it won't register works produced by a machine or a mere mechanical process that lack mere intervention or creative process. input from a human author which I feel so, like is wrong because the creative input from the human, it would be the parameters set to the AI, right? Like all the different <laughs> key values, like all the values and the data yeah. set is the input provided by the human. Um, yeah, I, I mean, sorry, go ahead. I mean, I feel like it's a really slippery slope. If you can just have like music labels and stuff, just cranking out copyright music, because then it's almost like a like a machine, you know, like a, a factory that can produce way more copyrighted content than human beings could ever produce. You know what I'm saying? But why is that like wrong? I, I see it's like dystopian. I, I it's like wrong it. because it, it's wrong because like if you have painters who mm-hmm. are like let's say hand painting something, you know, they're putting blood, sweat, and tears. It's almost like anti-competitive in other industries. Um, the AI just is going to do a better job 90%. Like, man versus machine, machine always wins. Like, that's just the way it works. That kind of just seems like a horse versus cars thing to me. Well, I mean, okay, but some might argue that art is one of the things that makes us human, that separates us from other uh, species. 
get there. I, I, like not to get super philosophical here but i feel like you can go mm. so deep because so, some people say that like human creativity is is one of the things that does set us apart from other animals other species in the world i think that's um, just we've been saying that just because we don't know enough yet we think that that's like the limit but i don't think it's true Huh. Like yeah, it, it's, it's like once we discover it, we'll be like, oh yeah, it can be creative. Like, like you know, back five hundred years ago, people were like, you know, computers can't do math. That's crazy. Like, no, no mechanical thing can do math. Like, thousand mm-hmm. years ago, but now they can. Now it's like, oh okay, that's obvious. A computer mm-hmm. obviously could. I think creativity is similar. Where like right now we're like, yeah, obviously it's so complex. But like hundred, two hundred, three hundred years down the road, we're like, oh yeah, sure, I'll, anyone can do creativity. That's easy. Yeah. Hey, Krusty. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. that's exactly the argument that we were laying out. Like, if you make something that makes something, you should own the things that it makes. Yeah. So right? if the guy made an AI website, right? Let's, let's say this guy made a website where you could make your account and then you could click on the generate button, set some parameters that are like predefined by the guy, and then it spit out an image. Would you own it or would the guy who owns the website own it? I think that would come down to... I think that would change depending on what... Like, there would be... Um, what are, it'd be it like called? an like, end user license agreement on the website. That's the one I was yeah. gonna. I was, it's a EULA, yeah, but what EULA, does that yes. stand for? <laughs> right. So it's just it depends on the software and how they write their laws around or their rules around that. Um, okay. And then so you can have like open source ones where you own it. You can have super open source ones where it's open domain or free domain, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would, I think that would be really interesting. But yeah, I would agree that there is a, a certain amount of creative input, or at least intellectual input, yeah. that goes into setting the parameters. Because, I mean, when you're talking about neural networks, there's trillions there's of a, parameters. There's tons, and there's there's an art to it. Like it's, I was talking to our neural networks professor, and he was saying, "Is like, yeah, it's a science, but." you get good at the art part of it where it's like, well, here's a problem over here and here's a series of possible solutions to problems that look like that for how I can tweak my neural network. Mm -hmm. But because of my years of experience, I know that this one's probably the best solution to that problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So there's, there is a, a, a creative input to this. So I think saying that there is no, that it's a mere mechanical process is wrong is removing things right it's so it's simplifying hmm. the, the process of ai in general probably yeah. for people who don't know how it works because like even yeah. being able to like use like you know having years of experience with ai you'll have like you'll start to imagine like oh if i change this parameter this is might this is roughly what might happen right out of the trillions of parameters mm-hmm. you'll start to develop that thing and i feel like that's that's pretty that's a pretty creative skill to have being able to like imagine what happens to the inputs and all that stuff yeah. The same yeah. way you'd be, imagine, you'd be able to imagine if, if I make these strokes without even doing it, I, it might look like that kind of mm-hmm. is the equivalent. Yeah. You just have a different tool now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. the, the input and the input process is different. Granted, it does a lot of mm-hmm. you a lot less input for a lot more output is what's happening here. So I think like Max's point about um, just the, the non competitiveness of it is interesting because you could just you could you could randomize inputs you could generate 50 pieces of artwork you could be like i like this one copyright whereas Mm -hmm. a painter might have put in blood sweat and tear that's what i'm saying it's just like unfair to uh to people who are legitimately creative i believe appreciate the sub thank you thank you very much yeah 
Let's no, go. I, th- I think that's a really interesting discussion because I think that's where that's where it falls apart. Get the AI I, yeah. to make easy NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> they already did. That, isn't that how most of them are, are generated? Yeah. They're like basically here. Here's a series of hats and shirts and stuff. And then just stick them together. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's what it comes down to. Really, is there? We're worried about. What if they generate so much copyrighted copyrighted music that you can't generate, that a human can't generate music that isn't copyrighted anymore? Yeah. You've just covered the field. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay. And then Would, what's going to happen is like, that's that, that that's a massive industry, music, mm-hmm. and it's going to completely fall apart, right? And that's not good for, for anybody. When you talk about it in an economic standpoint... <laughs> Board apes are just and uh, another thing I, I feel like art is very indicative of culture as well and I think there's a very strong tie between those two things mm. and I don't really believe that it's possible for an AI to, to possess that like sort of cultural like to, to really have culture you know so I, I feel like if AI sort of dominated the art space you get like cultural influence would be would be dead and gone like it would be a thing of the past in artwork which I think would be is another interesting thing to consider yeah because how is it like like you have every human being has a unique set of experiences and you sure. can view that as like inputs in an ai like realistically mm-hmm. um but i don't know there's uh the different people in, in different parts of the world have unique ways of doing things and i think ai is not gonna i, I don't know yeah mm-hmm. It is it is a different influence. You're, you're sort of, <clears throat> I mean, you're you're getting something that isn't human anymore. Yeah. Right? You're getting input. I mean, if you look at that artwork, uh, I'll, I'll redrop the link. But if you look at it, it is clearly not human. No. Yeah. Right? It it ha- it's it's also clearly you can see what's going on. Right. There's train tracks, but the things that are happening there are just non-human outputs. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's this—it's really interestingly abstract. It looks like an acid trip. Like, <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, it does. A lot of people compare like DeepMind photography to just acid trips. So, yeah, which I think no, it's, it's kind of cool. That kind of makes—I think that makes it human. Because mm-hmm. well, these things that people have been seeing when they're high for thousands of years are the things that get spit up by AI. It's kind of an interesting thought. Oh, that that's might... like deep. I think that's, that's a bit so of a leap, deep. though. Is it? Right? I think that's a bit of... Like, it's kind of... When you're in one a state like that, that where you're, 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 you're al- your mind state is that altered, mm-hmm. I feel like once you leave that state, and I haven't been that kind of high before, like, I haven't really experienced that, but the way you interpret that is probably going to be really, really different after you're sober. And it might be really easy to apply and mount... Mal- like, mold those experiences and memories of those experiences to fit things that you see in your life kind of like when you know memories uh the way that people can adjust memories yeah. by the more you think conversation memory, even the more you think about it yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and there's been studies where you can just plant whole things that didn't exist mm-hmm. in somebody's memory through conversation yeah uh, so i think this might be one of those situations where they're like that's trippy therefore i saw it in my trip <laughs> like, <laughs> ah. maybe um, but yeah, I think 
I think, yeah, striking that balance between, yeah, if you create a thing that creates things, you should own the things that the thing creates, you know? Mm -hmm. And what if we make it so that the space is no longer competitive for humans? I guess that comes down to automation as a whole, right? Well, I feel <laughs> We've like made we'll a lot just, of. We'll just find a new way to make music more creative later down the road. I don't know, like, uh, yeah. could people fifty years ago have imagined that, or a hundred years ago, imagine that we could use electricity to make music? Probably not. They're like, yeah. And now That's we do true. it, and now no one uses. It. Most people don't use instruments to make music, so you know. Yeah. You know, yeah, I guess just, we're just not thinking like people back then couldn't have thought of the music that we could have produced now like they would just wouldn't be able to think of it and we can't think about what will happen later i think like there's probably going to be cool music later on we just can't even imagine it yeah, yeah i mean my great grandmother probably never would have imagined dubstep so. right yeah like not even ever thought of it in a dream like it's just too yeah. weird so, so. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember what does the fox say oh uh, yeah uh but yeah, I, I think Ew. Yeah, I, I think there there is some positive space here where AI-generated artwork of, of various forms could create really interesting influences, mm -hmm. right? Somebody's going to look at this artwork and think, that's beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe you think it's ugly. doesn't matter. Somebody's going to look at that and go, I wonder if I could do something like that. Yeah. And so we've created an interesting new input, which is cool. Uh and, and from like a, a further abstract point of view, it's cool that something we created is creating stuff that is now giving us input, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of cool, so. Yeah, that is cool. Also, I'll, uh, I'll give some closing remarks, is that the, U uh, so the US Patent Office rejected this. The UK Intellectual Property Office also said that you have to be human. So did the European mm -hmm. Patent Office, but um, oh. the Australian uh, trademark office said that an AI created invention can qualify for patent protection and South Africa granted the guy the, like this guy who made this artwork uh, a patent for one of the products last year that he made so um, interesting yeah. yeah this is gonna this is gonna be a really interesting debate for the next 20 years mm -hmm. I think yeah. and it's gonna get spicier and spicier as the artwork especially I think music in particular because i think we've gotten pretty good at visuals but music generation hasn't created a lot of at least from what i've seen hasn't created a lot of enjoyable like mainstream enjoyable music yet oh yeah mainstream yeah there's a lot of game music now that's ai generated that you probably listened to and you didn't you know oh yeah really okay yeah. ai generated All music right. is really good the only issue is it's like it, it uses very repetitive past like it can't make a new number one chart single yet um, but yeah because that's not repetitive but it can make a re well you know what i mean well it can't it can it can 100 percent make a piece of music and you have no clue that it's ai generated at all unless I guess, you're like toned to like music production over the last 100 years or something so. i guess i can't be surprised that like old school nintendo style music is easy to replicate i bet it's i now that you mention it i bet it's not hard for neural nets to produce that sort of especially chiptune type music mm -hmm. uh, but even like whole orchestra uh, pieces like ais can generate okay really? yeah. all right now i'm, I'm putting that on my reading list i am exploring that field because that sounds fascinating yeah That's there's really also cool. jukebox which is an open ai project uh, neural net that generates music uh, also mm -hmm. generates rudimentary singing as well and different genres and stuff it can do country wow. 
yeah, so actually, you know what? I'm gonna play this. It's on. It's not copyrighted. Uh, so you're good. <laughs> These are some songs yeah. uh, in styles of different artists that from this is a country. You have like heard the country one. It's kind of funny. This is rock. And there's pop too. Oh, it's like old rock. And then there's classic pop. Nice. And these are all AI generated. Wow. wow. Okay. That's crazy. I clearly had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. Mildly informed opinions. <laughs> I just think it's so cool. Like obviously you can hear like some of those. The more complicated ones are a bit weird, but. Um, but it's the simple ones like if you listen to some simple ones it's like whoa yeah but it's huge progress I mean the fact that that is even listenable like if that was playing in the background you would know it'd be fine right yeah you yeah. wouldn't know that that's like AI generated huh so. okay mm. that's kind of spicy I like it speaking of spicy spicy not sure do you want to introduce the next the next topic yeah i feel so, like these are these are noshery topics to introduce. yeah <laughs> so elon musk <laughs> every <laughs> every month or so he has some new controversy in the news um but we in our notes we have this labeled as elon musk's Neuralink monkey madness fans wondering <laughs> um basically a bunch of people are kind of mad that so elon musk has been you know Neuralink is his new startup i say new it's been like a year or something now uh which is trying to make computer human interfaces specifically computer brain or human brain interfaces basically chips mm -hmm. stick in brain do things make brain life easier that's what they do um and they've been testing them on monkeys because obviously uh they're not at the stage where they can be tested on humans and last year i say uh Neuralink released a video of like a monkey playing pong with just its brain and it was really cool and it played it pretty well and it wasn't like incentivized by like treats or sh actually kind of i think it was but they like, thought about it after a while it just started playing the game normally right like as if it was a person um but recently the animal's been dying and that's kind of not pog um so everyone's kind of mad that yeah. the monkeys are dying. There's, I think, 22 or something. 20, 22? Like, total monkeys. No, 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 no. There's 22 oh, total monkeys. Oh. Um, and there is a fraction, like a big fraction of those who have died. Uh, I'm trying mm -hmm. to find the number. And a lot of people. I think I read six were euthanized. There you go. Oh, okay. Uh, and a lot of people are kind let of. Let me mad. fact check that. A lot of people are mad that it's animal abuse uh, by sticking stuff in their brain. Um, so yeah that's basically the thing the topic here is that you know do you think people are gonna like the government's gonna like come down on Neuralink or do you think they're not gonna give a shit or do you think people are gonna be like stop like supporting him like what's happening here um, um I don't think government's gonna care I think Twitter's gonna care a lot uh, yeah. to be honest with you I think yeah. that's where like 90% of the backlash is gonna come from um my opinion but i mean maybe the government will do something um yeah i don't i don't really know this Neuralink thing is is crazy yeah there's yeah. also a macaw monkey that like could control a, a joystick with its mind too which is kind of cool <laughs> oh yeah okay so first off they have to draw the causal link to say that it was Neuralink that was killing them 
right? Mm -hmm. To be able to shut down Neuralink or like take the research back several steps to prior to animal mm -hmm. testing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's that step first. So you, I don't think legally they have the grounds to shut down the research yet, but they do probably have the grounds to say, okay, you need to take a break while we research this, while thank we find out for the what follow, went wrong. Nish. Appreciate it. Oh, thank, thank you, you very much. Thanks, Nish. Thank you. So I think that's step one. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with Mac that uh, Twitter is going to go on a rampage. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's just what Twitter does. And it's the big tech company, which everybody hates right now. And like it's culture Elon Musk. And it's Elon Musk, who has become very popular to hate as well. Granted, for pretty good reason. Um, you know, it, so I think I think there's going to be a lot of backlash, and then Twitter's going to lose interest in the topic when the next big thing happens, mm -hmm. right? Uh, this is not going to last long, and what's going to what it's going to come down to is actual investigation into if Neuralink was causing these damages and what to do next. But I mean, that's kind of the point of this yeah. testing right i don't want to be i don't want to be it's a little macabre but uh if that's I don't, is that how you pronounce the word i've seen it read macabre yeah no, it yeah. is mm -hmm. tight um but that's the point of the animal testing to make sure that we don't accidentally kill people uh it's yeah. but yeah there there needs to be work like research into making sure that these animals are treated fairly and you know that they're they're not being hurt and harmed and all of those things we need to make sure there's no animal cruelty there but so the issue with this right is like there, there has been some things said by the people who are filing a law a, a public record lawsuit uh against Neuralink for this the issue is a lot of these things are kind of pointing fingers and saying this is what happened so basically the physicians committee that's uh, uh, filed a second this is a second one by the way not the first uh, a public mm. records lawsuit uh they allege in the uh, lawsuit that staff at the university removed pieces of the skulls of reused macabre monkeys and inserted electrodes into the animal's brains. The lawsuit alleges oh. that monkeys were not provided with adequate veterinary care and that an unapproved substance known as bioglue killed monkeys by destroying portions of their brain. In Neuralink's blog, they said that one, there was a complication, a surgical one with that bioglue, which is FDA approved bioglue apparently. <clears throat> uh, and that oh. monkey specifically was euthanized because of it, which is fair, I guess, because you know, you can't just let it live. Um, yeah. But. I guess like I, agree. I kind of agree like I love animals and I don't want them to be hurt but obviously you kind of need to test with animals like before uh, like even if you put in uh, billions and trillions of dollars into like the R&D like the trials might still kill something right like it's a given you can't just there's no way to like 100% guarantee that nothing dies yeah um, and the, it's you know it sounds extremely jarring right away right the things that you describe the removal of pieces of the skull and stuff like that that is a very visceral image which the emotional response to that is mm -hmm. just oh my god stop right yeah stop them they're horrible evil mad scientists mm -hmm. and that's my immediate emotional response uh but i also imagine it's like, not like crazy it's but they're they you how do you how else do you implant the chip yeah also like the way worse things happen to animals test on during testing like really chopping off oh, a part God. of your skull like we do that to humans too when they need stuff yeah in their for surgery yeah, yeah even when like there's a brain hemorrhage you know we cut off part of the like the skull is not gonna like you don't feel pain in the skull like there's no neurons there um 
So like cutting off a piece of your brain, putting something in and putting it back there is like not the biggest, like it's way worse. Like that's not even a bad thing in my eyes. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just such an extremely oh, yeah. it's gruesome very, thing to mm, imagine that yeah. it, it evokes such emotional response, which I think is going to be a one Twitter. of the driving factors. Yeah. Exactly. On Twitter. And like, I don't know. I don't feel like I have, I, w this is one of those things where I'm going to say like, I need to see experts talk about this because mm. there's just no way I can form even an uninformed <laughs> opinion about this thing with and do it justice because it's like I just don't know what it takes to do these sorts of things. Also, monkeys um, are kind of cute. That's yeah, that's true. It's it's really tough, but it's also like poor monkeys. Like, what a way to go getting your skull <laughs> hacked at and. Yeah. Uh, electrodes prodded in your brain and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really interested. Um, I, I remember seeing like a early Neuralink demo with pigs. I wonder if they had any of the same issues when they mm -hmm. did tests on pigs. Uh, I'd be interested to like look that up actually. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It would also be just a huge shame if this turned out to be that Neuralink didn't treat the animals properly not that Neuralink itself was was flawed like the technology was flawed and so the research isn't because the research doesn't wasn't done correctly and ethically that the actual technology mm. doesn't get to like continue yeah. right okay yeah. anytime you take ethics shortcuts what's really happening is you're ruining your research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right? giving it a negative rep yeah. even though it's not the research itself, yeah. And you you can't persist with it because you've you've just you've just ruined the reputation of it. So that would be really disappointing to see if like cuz it's not like they're lacking money. This is like this is Tesla's umbrella here. Mm -hmm. They had every opportunity to treat these animals correctly. And that's assuming that that's that they died because of you know animal mistreatment. I, I, we have to wait until we know really better. It is really important in research. Like you could get people fully paralyzed to just be normal again, right? Like this is crazy. Yeah, if this if a hundred years, yeah, my bad. Um, but like in a hundred years, this could be like insane level tech, and it would be a shame for it to just die because some guides didn't treat monkeys right. Because um, mm -hmm. it could change lives. Like this is some crazy level tech, right? Like this is insane. Um, I th yeah, I think there's there's the other question, and it's popped up in ethics discussions and research before. Uh, what something I hadn't thought about mm -hmm. uh, when discussing ethics of I, I work in like technology enhanced learning, so we're introducing like intelligent tutoring systems and stuff like that. If you have a tool that you believe can improve somebody's life in some way, whether it's they can learn faster, more efficiently, less painfully, right? Learning is a painful process, in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? It's just mm -hmm. hard. Um, if you can do those things and you you want to do a control group versus uh, an experimental group, is it ethical to not provide those resources that can improve lives in some way to, uh, to a control group? And I think that comes... That, that is relevant here with Neuralink. It's like, mm -hmm. If it is true that you can you can uh, enable somebody to walk again using Neuralink, if that's truly down the road with this technology, then not exploring it is, is that unethical. Is that yeah, unethical yeah. Right? But but then you could also have like 
even if there's like a one percent risk that you know you could make somebody walk again but you could also make them a, a vegetable and, and completely fry their brain like is that worth it is that a chance worth taking and is it ethical to to take that chance you know but i, think I we're, feel like there's we're like i think like, this is like when the tech is proven to be like good mm -hmm. is it would the like would it be a shame for people like no that's not like i we have crispr and down here which is the same mm -hmm. argument where like people are like against the idea of being able to design your baby yeah which sure that's weird but you could also stop a lot a lot of diseases from ever even happening and kind of kill them yeah um but would you stop it because of those other ethical things it's like a balance i guess yeah, yeah. that's true it's 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 such a tricky spot i don't know uh because because you, you know you can look at there's a lot of um uh, fiction mm -hmm. science fiction around human augmentation and machine human interfaces yeah. uh, and there's always the discussion of like the non-augments and stuff like that the people who refuse to be augmented and the disadvantage that they're at and the same discussion comes around CRISPR I forget the movie there was a movie about this in like the late 90s or early 2000s mm -hmm. where um, they had taken this to the to the final degree where everyone was genetically augmented in some way except for this one guy and mm -hmm. he wasn't allowed to participate in certain aspects of community because it was unsafe because he couldn't he didn't have certain immunities to viruses and stuff like that it's really crazy mm, so I see. uh yeah it's i mean this is why the the continued research in philosophy and ethics is so valuable but people don't see that because how do you come to a conclusion about something this complicated from a cultural societal standpoint without yeah. the exploration of it in that degree. A good point mm -hmm. in chat. Uh, talking about installing a chip in your head and the risk of it going wrong, we already do surgeries with 3% chances of failure, including optional surgeries and vanity surgeries. Very good point. That's true. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And So there's precedence for sometimes there are vain reasons to take small percentage, but still percentage chances of losing your life yeah and this no, is a, sorry go sorry ahead. go ahead no i was i was just thinking like mm -hmm. from because i was thinking about your control group example and i was thinking like just the ethics about like from that perspective like not giving a control group something that you know is gonna better their experience because you're you know testing it out mm -hmm. it's the same as like doing a surgery like is is a surgeon doing a surgery when they know there's a risk unethical you know Right, like, I I see similarities there. Is what I was trying to yeah. say. Hmm. Huh. I'm all this... for I'm all for tech being progressed further, like and mostly. So my opinion on well, this you... is very like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you tend to take a very utilitarian standpoint where mm -hmm. you're like, if it betters people, then it's worth taking the risks. Yeah. And damn people who deny it because it's weird. Right? Exactly. Because it's yeah. different, right? It's just like, well, does it have utility and does it improve people's lives? Because then at explore. the end of the day, everything new is weird. And then yeah. after yeah. a while, it's not weird. Yeah. Um, my my biggest thing with Neuralink is and always has been what happens when stuff breaks? What happens when stuff fails? Mm -hmm. um, what happens when somebody figures out a way to hack it or mm -hmm. exploit it or, you, you know? 
that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me yeah well i mean the same concern is present with things like pacemakers and stuff mm-hmm. right so pacemakers so there is can be hacked by the way yeah like definitely they can yeah yeah so that concern already exists uh and it's i'm sh- i mean the heart is <laughs> that's vital but yeah it is i think from again from an emotional point of view extremely scary that it's in the brain because it means that because the brain is where you are your yes. body mm-hmm. is is how is what you're in control of but that's where you and your thoughts are 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 from you're saying and you so when you have direct access but you, you can do a heart transplant but you can't do a brain transplant yeah right uh-huh. so it's like direct access into the way that you think there's a different like killing somebody or dying is that's a scary thought but it's even scarier for a lot of people to think of no longer being themselves yeah so mm-hmm. there i think that's why Neuralink in particular is going to be extra extra scary yeah and there's no there's no escaping from your brain so the the concept of privacy in that way is mm-hmm. kind of gone right like that's every true. every sense you feel everything you see everything you hear um that's all going through your brain so mm-hmm. essentially everything is uh you can't hide away or you know have an aspect of your life that's private when you're interconnected into some mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see like <laughs> targeted ads in your field yeah. of view yeah. or yeah. in your dreams <laughs> yeah like a paid plan <laughs> to have cool dreams but or you could take the free dream plan where like every after every dream there'll be like a two minute ad break that's um, that's literally you guys have heard of the the show like the jetsons right it's like the the flintstones yeah, but yeah, in yeah. the future kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. i remember seeing like a, a clip or an episode when i was little it was like some rerun on tv or something that's literally that was like literally the kid went to bed <laughs> and was like scrolling through what dream they wanted and oh my god then played it it's, it's crazy that is so i think it's okay inevitable. I, I, yeah i do want to point out um Jester Sheriff brought up some interesting points again, uh, but there's the the point of if you want a control group, just ask the people who don't want to take the risk. The problem with that is that it's it's now the control group and the experimental experimental group. It often has to be double blind for the experiment to have really strong validity. Uh, so by asking a group and knowing that knowing their beliefs, you can taint the study by exposing who's in what yeah group. i was gonna say that too so, you need somebody who like is completely like yeah yeah but yeah I, I, with with data privacy yeah i agree there are ways around this and we're certainly simplifying the the brain here because none of yeah. us are neurologists right no. none of us are even in that space uh because you know, if you plant one a chip in one part of the brain it does, doesn't mean necessarily that you have any impact over other parts of the brain yeah so, um, but yeah, I think it's 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 really interesting, and there is a lot of potential for data privacy, right? It, it doesn't have to be transmitting. Right? That, yeah, it could be yeah. local and and information stored. So there are ways around this. It's just when we're talking about big data, it's not like they've respected our privacy in the past. Yeah. Oh no! And, like once if this becomes mainstream, thing about- it's definitely gonna be like a it's definitely gonna be used for data. Like it's not even an argument. Sooner or later, someone's gonna definitely find a benef- benefit from getting people to give their data to Neuralink. Yeah. But it's also the the hacked thing. Like, imagine if uh, a politician had a Neuralink and somebody could hack it or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the implications about that is crazy. 
Mm-hmm. I want your big data, Nathan. By the way, <laughs> big data. Thanks, Johnny. You can have it anytime. I've got lots of data. Um, some gonna be still. Yeah, yeah. Lots of companies still aren't respecting yeah. data. And yes, yeah, you do. You do consent either way to being part of the experimental group or the control group. So, um, in that regard, the ethical concern is is some is largely diminished. I think. Okay, but yeah. that was spicy. Yeah. yeah, that was a tough topic to navigate, and I think we we we've we might have said some some things that may be later found offensive. I apologize in advance if we <laughs> use the wrong terminology for some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we were not trying to, but it was. It's a certainly a really interesting discussion. Yeah, the monkeys are All cute. Right. So something less controversial, <laughs> <laughs> but very highly Almost. opinionated. Oh. Oh, we've got opinions on everything. Give me something you're not even supposed to have an opinion on. I got you. Let's dive into uh, EV adoption. So uh, I know we've got a couple car people uh, in the chat, or at least in the community. But oh. there's a, there's been a lot of news lately on EV adoption, and I want to jump in through some of it and then and then get to. Uh, get to the the topic or the discussion itself I think so i heard nathan not sure say monkeys are worth less than people i think that was not me actually surprisingly yeah. i did not say that <laughs> uh, for anybody watching this in the future i never brought up that point ever. um that was no. all nosher <laughs> so uh nosher's opinion today remember when you're voting on the man with the best opinion uh nosher hates monkeys so wow <laughs> and ethical frameworks oh, any ethical framework so okay ev adoption we've got a couple really really exciting things so first off michigan uh, is doing some graphite processing factory stuff to support uh, ev battery production so that's huge uh the us is committing to fast chargers every 50 miles we do not have a time frame on that and it is the us government of. saying it too yeah, so, you know, next time we switch to a different leadership, they might just go, EVs no. are the past. We're going back to coal. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. And the then we also the have... steam engine. Steamboat Willie was an American classic. We need to yes. return to that. Uh, so there's that. Tesla had a bunch of its supercharger cables stolen at a brand new station. So a touch of a setback. And then, on the other side of things, Lamborghini wants to continue manufacturing gas-powered cars into 2030, which I think is really, really interesting when everybody else is going in the complete opposite direction. Johnny covered the question in chat that we're going to talk about. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> Do you believe production of new diesel-powered vehicles will be banned at some point in the near future? That's actually... Yeah, Nasher's right. That's exactly... That's one of the things we're going to cover. So, okay, first off... I want your estimates on when we're going to have widespread electric vehicle adoption in North America. Give me a definition of widespread. Give me like a percentage. 80, the majority 90. of like of consumer vehicles and mm-hmm. so so just, you know, regular folks making average income, right? Are are switching over to elect, uh, mm-hmm. electric vehicles. Okay. It's like a Toyota Corolla. Most vehicles yeah, right. Most vehicles being produced at the you know to- Toyota and Honda level are EVs, and you can you, there's much less concern of oh I don't want an EV because I want to be able to go camping and where the heck am I going to go charge this thing right? It's just yeah. that concern is quelled. So basically, more fifty percent or more 
are on the EV grind? Go. Realistically, 2050. A lot of companies have vowed to like stop production of uh, uh, gas-powered cars, uh, but there's a bunch of asterisks next to that, uh, where it's like a certain percentage of our production or a certain amount of cars or blah, 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 where it basically means that they're still going to be producing gas-powered cars for a while. There's the majority mm. of the production is going to be gas-powered, electric-powered, which is still great. Just It's not going to be whoop banned. I'm going to say 2050. <laughs> 2050? You're like way, way out there. Yeah, I'm I'm saying like that as well. It's just the infrastructure around the gas engine is so ingrained into society. Yeah. Like even people who are um like lower income can have a car and it's going to be really tough when they're faced with like okay, your gas car is no like is is becoming obsolete and you can't afford a new electric car. You know, like, is that really fair? Is that fair to just be like, oh, you're not going to be able to buy affordable gas or have a place to fill up, um, you know, near your your work or whatever, and you have to uh, sell your car, even though you're not making a lot of money and your car's probably not going to be worth anything if uh, gas infrastructure, uh, you know, fades out. Like, your Honda Civic is going to be worth nothing. The, okay. the value is going to plummet. It's going to be worth its price in scrap metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I um, hadn't thought of the other side of it, which is when EVs are adopted, that means that gas-powered vehicles are going to, like, the infrastructure for that is going to diminish as well. So I think that's an interesting point. I think, I think, uh, so Ray pointed out 2035. I think 50%, 50% people... 50% of cars on the road being EVs might be pushing it for 2035, but I think the infrastructure is going to be largely in place in urban settings by 2035. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the reason for this is there is urban and like urban adjacent, you know? <laughs> so Ontario almost as a whole is going to be fine, even though, yes, technically there are sort of rural parts of. Mm-hmm. of Ontario, but you'll be able to get from one of those parts to the other part through those rural areas without too much trouble. So I think 2035 for that level of adoption. And I had another thought and it just just left me. Because sooner or later, gas powered engines, realistically, mm-hmm. 150 years from now, dead. No one's using them. Gone. Tractors are electric, buses are electric, everything's electric. 150 years ish because mm-hmm. they're just not okay. efficient like sooner or later we'll make electric way more efficient than gas okay yeah. i remembered i remembered my point mm-hmm. okay so there's i mean really really massive investment companies like blackrock for example mm-hmm. right they there's uh what is it esg compliance which essentially is about they only invest and encourage people under their umbrella to only invest in companies that are uh moving towards green initiatives mm-hmm. and stuff like that so with that in mind, there's going to be massive incentive financially to push for EV adoption as soon as it's feasible, right? As soon as it's like you don't have a good reason for not being in EVs as an automotive company, then there's going to it's just going to come down like a rock. They're just going to hit and they're going to say like, "Look, we can't be investing in gas-based car companies. We just can't be doing that anymore." Yeah. And so as soon, when that happens, boom, acceleration is going to be crazy on that. Um, so that's that's my thought process here. 
But I think the Lamborghini thing is interesting because this is where the car guys come in. This is where people who are into cars are going to say, no, I need my car to roar when yeah. when I hit the gas, right? And so I think companies like Lamborghini, maybe like Mustangs and stuff, like muscle car companies and stuff like that, and, and Lions, will, there will be a niche for people mm. who love cars, just like people, like there's a niche for like manual, driving manual, mm. when automatic is, for most people, more effective. Gas will be cheap when everyone goes EV. I don't think so. No, that's it's gonna be so expensive because e- gas is also a depleting resource, like an exponentially deplete depleting resource, right? Like very finite, yeah. um, and it won't have a use. So why would you bother extracting it from the earth? Like I, I'm again a use like 150 years, 200 years down the road, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't have a use anymore. So why bother extracting it, right? Yeah. yeah. I think Johnny makes a really interesting point, though, that the fossil fuel industry will lobby and fight the whole way through. And yeah, it's true. <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, how, like, look at uh, look at the cigarette industry. My God, did those guys fight <laughs> to continue to pollute not only the environment, but our lungs. Right? Yeah. God bless so, them. Don't. I'm joking. God man. bless them. No. But I think. <laughs> sorry. Go, go ahead, Mac. No, I, I just laughed. No, that was oh. not me interrupting. Okay, like I think laugh. that's that's a perfect lead-in to the is it ethical to continue making gas-powered vehicles in the future when EVs are more efficient? Assuming this this is what happens, right? They become more mm. efficient. They're not more expensive to produce. All of those sorts of things, right? They're just better objectively. Is it ethical to continue producing them? I have a I have a point. I have a point about this. So I, I actually brought yeah. this up because yesterday I was thinking. I was like, it's not ethical. It's like not ethical at all. And I thought about it a bit more. And now I'm thinking, transportation does not make up a substantial amount. It makes up a good amount, but not the majority of pollution, right? There's a lot worse things that accommodate to that. Um, okay. I think having a minority of gas cars is fine. It's just a, a little thing, you know, people like it. It's cool. It's not majorly affecting the climate. It's polluting, sure, but it's not like a major contributor anymore like let's say 90 percent of cars are electric now i think it's like a minute you know little thing that we're like yeah it's fine it's good there's a threshold right of like something going over and being very pollutant and having something and be like okay it's fine everyone enjoys it it's cool and i think it'll be in that threshold where it's like yeah sure it's fine who cares yeah it'll be an enthusiast space exactly yeah I, i yeah i would agree that yeah I would be fine with it being an enthusiast space, but maybe we should tack on the other, you know, you know what they did with like cigarette marketing afterwards. They were like, you also have to tell them about the cancer, right? (laughs) You have to tell them about all of these other things that can happen. I feel like when you're selling a car at that point, you also have to say, okay, now remember how that fossil, like the fossil fuels got there, right? Just. I don't think See, it's I that have, bad, like that amount of fossil. I have a hot take on this. Okay. Like, okay. I think if, let's say, a, a gasoline-powered car and an EV are similar price, uh, EV is like obviously more efficient in the future. I think it's actually very unethical to buy a gas car. Like, okay. Because you're you're needlessly producing emissions, right? There's no need. Right? It's like other enthusiast stuff. Like, if I'm into guitars and I play an electric guitar, that's not making emissions just by using it. Right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of stupid to just be like, like, I could be like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in throwing garbage in public places. Like, it, too bad. 
right? <laughs> Too bad you're interested in doing that. It's not the, it's not right to do that. You're littering as okay, against yeah. the law. Um, yeah, it, it's just kind of needless, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I agree, like, with the pollution thing, sure. Um, hmm. like, transportation isn't causing the majority of pollution, but looking at the state of climate change and stuff like that, we, we like, it, radical action needs to be taken. It hasn't been taken for years and years and years and years, mm -hmm. and it's getting to the point where not doing it uh, not making radical change, like, w when it's very obvious that, you know, there's a, a green alternative at a comparable price, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's kind of idiotic not to make my, change like that. See, my thing is that a lot of these big corporations, right, who have, like, told us, like, hey, you should, uh, you know, recycle, you should, you know, reuse less water, mm -hmm. you should you know, use the bus instead of the car. There's a huge thing where these are the same companies who are making like 70% of emissions or something very unverified fact it's roughly 70% I don't know the exact numbers don't correct me on it but it's not important but the 70% <laughs> of like emissions or a higher percentage are coming from like manufacturing plants and these big companies yeah. and all these things and their way of like alleviating all the uh, problems being piled onto them is to tell normal people hey like you know if you do these small things you'll impact the climate which arguably yeah mm -hmm. it is better to recycle obviously I recycle uh, it is better to take the brush it is better to not litter on the floor it is not it's better to use paper over plastic sure but that's not going to change anything uh, these big companies being like you know told that hey you're the problem is what's going to change it and I think Making people not buy a, a, like gas-powered cars. I don't like gas-powered. I'm an electric guy too, but telling them not to buy gas-powered cars is just another way you're kind of giving into these big companies, like yeah. putting the blame on you versus taking the blame on them on the, onto themselves. I feel like if the companies mm -hmm. took the blame onto themselves, we'd have a lot more room to like you know do yeah. these things, and they wouldn't impact the climate. It'd be like a yeah. 10 to the negative 19 effect on the climate type of deal. You're driving your gas-powered yeah. car, you know. I. I agree, but it's the whole like two wrongs don't make a right. Like it just because the the corporate aspect isn't getting that much better, it doesn't mean the consumer uh, like realm of of climate change should just continue to maintain the status quo. Uh, I think, yeah. um, like this is what I think should happen. My ideal system is in the future. You want a gas car? Sure. Um, you should get taxed. Uh, in in a way that kind of offsets the damage you're doing to the environment, and then the government can take that that tax money, put that revenue into green initiatives and stuff that might offset some of that climate change. Okay. I would, um, yeah. I would only be okay with that if there was a guarantee that that money went to green initiatives. Well, there's no guarantee. <laughs> yeah, if that's the government, yeah. There's no guarantee. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like the carbon tax that they they yeah. did in, in Ray, Canada, Ray right? Yeah, exactly. Rage exactly. of coming out of the hot take tax not equal pollock. <laughs> um, that's that's actually a really interesting point Johnny brought up that <clears throat> the onus is on the manufacturer. So if you continue to produce uh, gas-based vehicles, then the manufacturer mm. is the one who pays the tax. Beardonian, it's part of their carbon tax. Beardonian, really That's good true, point. but then what's going to happen is manufacturers are going to move to company or to countries that don't impose that tax, and people are going to import the vehicles. Beardonian made a really good point. Where yeah, there's only true. a few cars left, getting gas might also become very difficult, which is inherently a tax in itself. Is yeah, it, but it's a... But that and tax also, those cars are going to be hugely marked up. Yeah, but like you're acting like the government's going to do anything with it. 
<laughs> well, okay. If we're talking about ideals, they would. Right? Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. This is an ideal situation. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. This is I, definitely a really interesting topic. Like, I'm, I'm very interested to to see how this kind of pans out. Me too. I, everything we've talked about this this week so far has been just really Spicy. fascinating yeah, to talk yeah. about. Oh my god. Um, taxing corporation who pays for it in the end, the consumer. Yeah, that's that's true. But so actually, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. It when we're talking about enthusiast niche goods, there is always a tax in air quotes, right? There is always a fee like for a buying enthusiast small like minimally produced products right mm -hmm. so uh even if they're not super premium stuff it's just the fact that there's it's a small audience means that you don't get that economies of scale benefit and you are paying a tax for being in a niche and so i think yeah exactly uh um, yeah when when i think that's exactly what's going to happen here is gas vehicles are going to be exclusive to things like lamborghini mm -hmm. and i think lamborghini knows this and they're they're saying we're I mean, they're Lamborghini. They're the guys that do this. Yeah. They make niche enthusiast vehicles. The thing that you dream of as a kid, right? So they're they're going to lay into that. And in 2030, when Honda Civics are completely EV and everyone's charging, they're going to they're going to do ads or like about how everyone else is living as part of an algorithm. Right. And but you're free. You remember. Right. Like that's going to be the ad play. That, that yeah. you live differently, right? That's the vibe they're gonna give. Why charge when you can roar? <clears throat> yeah, right. Yeah. That's gonna be the vibe. So, <laughs> and so like charge? muscle cars are gonna are gonna stay gasoline. <laughs> yeah, Lamborghini. Uh, I I I will do your marketing. <laughs> so, I'm I'm super interested, but I think in general, um, I agree with you, Mac. That in general it's not perfectly ethical to continue producing gas vehicles, but I, I, I have a, an empathy for people with just niche interests and stuff, right? Like it's yeah. just fun to be part of one of those niche interest groups. And I don't want that taken away from people. So it would be great if like Nasher said, the onus and, and Johnny said that the onus is on the manufacturers to deal, mm -hmm. to deal with this mostly. Uh, and we make change there so that personal liberties don't have to be sacrificed. Because I feel like the ethicality is dependent on like the overall effect versus like a singular personal effect. I feel like it's bad mm -hmm. to look at ethically like that. Like, obviously, yeah, ethically, cars produce carbon, bad, unethical. In the mm -hmm. bigger picture, 5% of cars producing carbon, ethical. That's fine. That's, yeah, that's my... I think I think largely I'd agree. It, it's it's really the principle versus the practice here. Where mm -hmm. Max saying just by principle, look, we got to make the fucking change. We got to do yeah. the thing. All right, and and Nasher saying, okay, I mean, it, by that point we have made the change. There's just a small group, and at that point, who cares? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay, let's talk about stupid things. Oh, oh. absolutely. Who wants to? Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's the intel. It's the intel boy. Else pay as you go. CPU. Oh my God. Okay, I don't know how I feel about this yet, but essentially Actually, the story is this. Actually, Intel's. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm gonna <laughs> read some of the thoughts out in the chat, and then you can choose the next story. So, Good call. 
some people uh, so Johnny said it's a wealth thing like how only rich people own horses now good point mm-hmm. uh, also uh, part of the issue is we don't have any international guidance guidelines for this sort of thing or rather we kind of do but who wants to enforce that lull good point yeah 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 I, I mean those sorts of things need to be enforced through like country taxation right you you just have to tax manufacturers in those regards the only incentive that works is either uh, no the only incentive that works on manufacturers and large-scale companies is is profit that is uh-huh. the only thing you can do and if you can harm profit then you can get them to take action that is yeah. it there's nothing else right because I mean, how many times has Apple been slapped on the wrist with like $400 million fines on $5 billion of profits? Do you think they care? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, Okay. Intel pay as you go? We doing this thing? Intel pay as you go. Intel pay as you go. Nasher, do you want to run this one or? uh... No, you go for it, bro. Me? Go for it. All right. So, Intel... Now, this is specifically specifically for their Xeon processors, which is their server line, is introducing what they call software-defined silicon, right? So this is, and I really want to read in, read more into this mm-hmm. because it's it's very complex and it hasn't been fully fleshed out. But eventually, basically, what it comes down to is you can pay for features on their silicon after. So you can you buy a model. And you can enable features through probably a subscription fee. Mm-hmm. And so w- the way we learned about this is Linux kernel 5.18 is including drivers for this. And there's been a lot of work on that. It's really interesting stuff. But <laughs> we're back to this issue. The chat. Let's go with DLT. <laughs> EA. Everyone's EA in the chat. The EA of Silicon. Yeah. So there... It comes back to the same topic we've been talking about where things that weren't weren't services before, like features on your car, Tesla, right, <laughs> are are now being considered as things that you might be able to buy a subscription because software is so relevant in, in vehicles nowadays. Uh, and now it's coming down to processors. I have no idea how software-defined silicon works. Mm-hmm. And the way it's being explained to start with is, of course, this is a good thing, Right. You can buy a cheaper model, and then you can upgrade it later. Nobody needs all the features, so you can just buy the features that you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's how this mm. plays out. What do you think it plays out like, then? I think it plays out like you forget um, to renew your subscription or something, and you're just like, why is my computer so slow? Oh, that's why. Because <laughs> half of the CPU is locked <laughs> oh yeah, my bad. Uh, our sysadmin guy forgot to forgot, or or the sysadmin gets called in on a weekend because finance didn't pay to make sure that the subscription fee is, is for their their vital software on their on, on their CPUs is running, and so I don't know half of North America is down for for CIBC or something. Yeah, that absolutely bonkers. Uh, but I think. I don't know. It's interesting because this is this is servers, so it's less likely to affect consumers directly. This is mm-hmm. this is, I mean, server yeah. farms are going to work yeah. this. Yet, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, make the point. You know, you know <laughs> what you're saying with that. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm just saying anything that happens to servers is like the elite 
you know, of society, something that'll trickle down to consumer level things too. That's all I wanted to say. Um, yeah. So it is like a case study to see what happens before it happens to us, essentially. Uh, I made this argument before, I think, in a late, earlier podcast too. I think, hot take, I think having this service thing is kind of kind of beneficial. It could be beneficial. Depends how it is applied. But mm-hmm. it overall could make things cheaper. Okay. It could add mm-hmm. less points of failure, right? Because if you're just disabling, like again, there's a lot of features on a server-side CPU that you, most CPU uh, servers uh, don't need. They're very niche things, mm-hmm. like very niche mm-hmm. things that only a few server farms need. Uh, and having those turned off, great. More security, less points of failure, because it's literally a hardware lock, right? Uh, there's no mm-hmm. way to, unless a guy goes in and physically does something, it's another point of failure eliminated. It's the less thing to maintain and worry about. <laughs> it's cheaper, um, and then it might be more better it might be better for the manufacturer it might be more cost efficient it might be less uh, emissions because now there's one streamlined process of making the cpu rather than 10 different models of a cpu i don't know mm-hmm. but that's like obviously a best case obviously like it could not be that mm-hmm. it could be more expensive to make it could admit more things but not yeah. sure ea employee confirmed <laughs> <laughs> i oh my god so i think um i think i would agree the ideal situation mm. is that there's cost savings due to the simpli- uh, simplified manufacturing and y- they 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 push those savings down towards the consumers right mm-hmm. that's the that's the dream so but we they save don't money really. so you should but they won't they yeah. because this is the thing with a subscription is it never ends right like you're paying like if it's monthly let's say you're paying every single month like there's never going to be like oh you're you know it's not like a payment plan where you're paying every month and then eventually one day it's paid off and you own it it's not like that mm-hmm. you're continually paying all the time and that is ultimately long term more expensive than buying one product that's built really well for more money and it's going to last you a long time i think i feel like the yeah. cost savings could also come from is the company you're subscribing to providing you with like service like you know repairs and all that shit and if they are maybe it's worth it uh yeah, maybe it's more that, cheaper that, if they don't then yeah maybe it's actually shit it all, again it really depends mm-hmm. on like the application right because like um again like you know you own a company you having your servers on prem a lot more expensive and you have the security yeah. of like you only own it yourself but then you know maintenance people have to know how to use it it's your own technology versus using aws sure you know it's you know they're paying for it now it might cost you more in the long term but it's cheaper less salary it's standardized easier to use uh, security blah blah blah. i think it's that argument it really depends on like the implementation that's a good point um it depends on like what they because there's there's no information like on what they're doing right yeah there's also like it hasn't been confirmed that they're going to use a subscription model Mm -hmm. right it could be that you buy the cpu you register it with intel and then at that point you, you sign up for packages right, right? Yeah. feature packages mm-hmm. so you pay $50 i want the i want the uh what, what do they call it the intel virtualization package because mm-hmm. i want to use wsl mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. boom okay you pay $50 and one time fee it. right that's you're talking fee. about the one time fee yeah one time yeah. fee if it's that right? that's a crazy good i think in my opinion if it's like that then what you're getting is a modular cpu mm-hmm. right you're yeah, getting that is and, sick. And, and that's phenomenal. So there is actually a ton of potential here for this to be really, really good. And again, in the ideal situation, those savings are passed down to the consumer. I don't believe that they will be. Right? Yeah, I think they they're will. gonna say 
That well, Actually, if there's adequate competition uh -huh. from AMD, that's okay. when those right. Yeah. If if not, then Intel is just going to go. We have this unique product. Everybody needs it, and we're going to sell it for as much as we can get. get I feel like it, right? Intel's too scared of messing up the market again. I think they're going to make it cheaper, even if AMD doesn't compete. I think they're mm -hmm. too scared of losing that lead again because the AMD lead was crushing like recently. Yeah. Well, but I don't Intel know how, their how lesson, doing historically. So I'm wrong. I could be wrong. They never learned well, their lesson. AMD, AMD just recently, I think for the first time, and I read this like in a cursory Reddit scrolling, but mm -hmm. I think AMD just passed Intel for um, uh, market cap. Pogger, really? let's go. AMD, that's, I mean, that's let's insane. Go. I don't know, it is. It's the better, think, better uh, processor. <laughs> yeah. Well, currently, I think right now, I think the the thing that we should do with this is follow up as the next time we find news on the intel scalable cpus we got to make sure that we cover it because mm -hmm. this is this is an interesting story and unlike the other ones that we talked about this week which are fascinating and will continue to develop they're mm -hmm. going to develop over the course of 10 years this is going to develop over like over the course of the next couple months yeah, yeah. so also, this is going to be really fascinating where's also the argument about so i feel like it is more efficient and maybe it is more uh less you know emissions in a factory uh but is it more <laughs> wasteful to have all those unused physical things in the processor uh that's an argument someone made in the discord actually you, you know uh, mm. and I, I thought it'd be interesting to bring that up what do you guys think of that uh do you think it it could be like is it a balance or you think it's just it's wasteful it could be a balance because you think about like the tooling maybe required to make like a, a whole line of different processors versus like one set of tools and like one assembly line for mm. one pro one type of packaging right like it kind of eliminates certain aspects but then like you said each part that's unutilized on the chip is kind of just a waste of space yeah mm -hmm. yeah there that is i think valid right because you're you're considering the hardware's there the CPU mm -hmm. is capable of this thing, and there is nothing stopping Intel from just giving you access to those capabilities. Yeah. And so you might even say, this is it's it's unethical to not provide you access to those features when they've the capability is there. It's right there. Um, so that's just crack I, I don't your know. CPU, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's gonna happen. Do you guys, that's yeah, gonna they're happen. they're gonna hack it. Like they're gonna find ways to unlock those portions of the CPU without paying. Oh, I'm guaranteeing you, guaranteeing you, there's going to be like a $20 USB on Amazon you can buy, plug into your computer, uh, so like load it up, boom, it upgrades your CPU, unlocks it fully, 100%. I don't, I don't know if you're going to be able to buy it on Amazon, but you will be able to buy it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when it comes to, con so, here's the interesting thing. When it comes to consumers, enthusiasts will crack it. That will happen, right? This happens with graphics cards where people realize, my 3060 is really 3070 capable. I just hmm. right like I got it. I got a gem here. on this. Let me just turn that off real quick. Yeah, right. That's gonna happen. But on the server side thing, when we're when we're dealing with large scale real systems administrators, a oh, full team, definitely not. They're not cracking shit. Yeah, right? yeah. Because they need the warranty. They need to be able to go back to Intel and say, look, we we need help with this. This mm -hmm. is right. They need all of those things, and they need stability the over stability, performance. Stability, exactly. Yeah. So, and it also doesn't look good on any business when you're cheating another business to inflate your <laughs> profits. Yeah, exactly. It's fine if Linus Tech Tips cracks his Intel i9 because why not? Yeah. It's not fine when when CIBC does this, right? It's not fine when AWS does this. 
So it'd be pretty funny though. Um. <laughs> yeah, it'd be hilarious yeah. if we found out later. <laughs> Bezos made the call. You're like, crack him, just crack him. <laughs> I honestly though, in in, in, in a couple of years, catch me cracking my Ryzen five ninety six hundred, bro. Just just watch me. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Imagine getting, um, <laughs> imagine buying a laptop and having to pay extra to unlock Wi-Fi access. Oh, imagine getting a whole four year degree and having to do extra projects to get a job after grad. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oh, engineer, engineer took a little, little zap at us there. Yeah. The engineers are taking shots at computer scientists. Come on, guys. We all know you engineers take are getting jobs. software jobs. So. Yeah, name every engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we've covered that one. Yeah. Not sure. Hit us with the rapid fire news. <laughs> Yo. The dumb stuff. So, you got so everyone everyone knows Donald J Trump. Buckle uh, up, buckaroos. <laughs> everybody <laughs> knows Donald Trump. He was an interesting person. Uh, we talked about this twice now in the podcast, where I think or once or twice, uh, where he's planning to launch a social network called Truth Social, uh, which is a social network of truth, apparently, according to him. Um, that is launched now, which I didn't think was going to happen. There's a bunch of lawsuits behind Truth Social uh, for ripping off an open source uh, social media platform for all the code base. Don't know what happened to that. I guess no one cares now. Um, but it, it launched. It appeared on the Apple App Store. And um, it's pretty funny, I think, to talk about. Uh, and there's a bunch of issues on launch. There's a bunch of errors. Uh, there's a bunch of like 404s or something and a bunch of 503s. It's pretty funny. Um, you know, I, that's what I expect from uh, something made by Donald Trump is to just not work. And the funny thing is, um, Truth Social isn't hosted by like a regular cloud platform like AWS or the Azure. It's hosted, <laughs> it's hosted on a new cloud service called Rumble, which is a basically a combination of like very alt fart right YouTube. And it's a cloud service as well. And their website yeah, kind of so doesn't weird. work half the time. If you go to like their website, like story.rumble.com, I think, and you click on some of the buttons in the nav bar, like the blog button, it doesn't actually do anything. Yeah, uh, it's like it's like a full nav bar, but the href of all all the links is the same site. Yeah. Also, yeah, you <laughs> click on all the all the buttons, they all link you to the exact same page. Yeah. Uh, like the href, um, they added a slash after the .com instead of just the hashtag, which, bro, if you're <laughs> If you're launching a website for like a, a ex-president, you think you think that hashtag would have gone, you know, you think you would have checked the URLs beforehand, but you know, I guess not. I Maybe know. like tested it. <laughs> yeah, you know, testing um, exists. I mean, with, yeah. With Trump's history of not paying people for stuff, why would you do good work for him? <laughs> I guess, yeah. But yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, no, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I don't know what else to say. Oh, really. Johnny, what happened? Oh. Uh, they're not sending the best people. <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, it, it's available on the Apple App Store if you do want to check it out. How did that make it onto the App Store? That's a crazy. They have such strict rules about what makes it onto the App Store, right? On on the Play Store, I would not be shook, right? If if Google published it, it's like. Yeah, they, anything makes it onto the Play Store. That's the point. It's the open ecosystem. But Apple gets to choose. They're like, no, 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 consumer. I know what you want. And so, they, they thought they need Freedom Social. In, like, really? in, a weird, mm -hmm. 
in a weird way, it's almost meme-worthy that Fortnite is not on the Apple App Store, but that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, wanna, you wanna know the stats on the Apple App Store page? So, yeah. um, it, the slogan, so it's Truth Social. The slogan is, follow the truth. You know, gotta follow the truth. Uh, there is a 4.2 star rating with 22.7 thousand ratings, which is a lot of ratings. Um, the top three reviews is a five star followed by two one stars. So there you go. A lot of issues not working properly. The app's kind of broken. It has a 17 plus rating, which is interesting. Um, hmm. I don't know what other social media platforms have as ratings, but I specifically 17. Yeah, you don't have to be like an illegal adult, but what's the rating like, for Snapchat it... on the Apple App Store? Let's check. It is. It is 12 plus. That's yeah, weird. What the, 17. Like, what is the significance behind that? Well, that's mature. Wonder. I think that's M. Yeah, sorry, beam reading or something. Well, well I, I thought that was 18 plus because 18 is like a legal adult, you know, know. Yeah, a rated why? movie. You gotta be also, 18. why do you have to be so old? Is it, I guess if it's the target demographic. It, to uh, to <laughs> handle the truth or some, something? Like, yeah, you can't stupid. handle the truth unless you're older than 45, yeah. clearly. No, no fact checking at all. <laughs> Controversy makes the money. That's true. That's true. They do yeah. have 22.7k ratings on there but yeah that happened over the weekend if you do want to check it out rumble.com is the is actually you know don't check out rumble.com yeah do not it's, give them it's a bad version of youtube yeah um, it's awful and uh the next story that we have is that windows 11 will now require an internet connection on setup so historically when you set up windows uh, any of the windows up the uh, installations it asks you to log into your microsoft account but you can tell it to do that later and then you can just install windows offline but now in the future you're not gonna ha you're not you're gonna have to have an internet connection or else you can install windows so uh they're gatekeeping windows now or windows 11 pro specifically but yeah. i'm sure that'll be trickled down later to you know the regular one too uh what do you guys <laughs> yeah. think of that um, doesn't bother me. I I don't know. Like if I didn't have internet and I was like, just bought a computer, really wanted to use it, I'd be a little bit, a little bit, uh, mad, to say the least. I mean, but yeah. that's like an edge case. I'm, you know, but like where is this? I do feel like it's not an edge problem? case. Though. Think about like, the amount of places like what in the world if, that don't what have if I'm, What if I'm in my cabin mm -hmm. in Alaska? All right. I unbox my new laptop, my my Windows 11 laptop. I want to play Microsoft Solitaire. No internet. There's no internet. The the solar storm it took out like Starlink satellites or whatever. No internet. I want to play my Microsoft Solitaire. All Thirteen thousand uh, satellites are gone. All all of them are gone. All of them are gone. And I want to play Solitaire. This this is BS. Per I can't. You're telling place. me I can't. What's it called? Yeah, purple. Yeah. Say purple sweat, minesweeper, even. But okay, how many people are entirely offline? Like you'll never, like you are very unlikely to have access That's to the internet mm. regularly, and or at least within within a time frame where you know you're getting a new device, mm. right? So there's 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 that. The other thing is like there are there are alternatives. I mean, I I don't know. Like you can just not pick Windows 11 Pro and. You, there's Linux, Ubuntu, yeah, Pop OS, right? There's Linux, Mint, 
Uh, yeah, if I don't have if so, <coughs> right? There is the case of, you know, what if I live in a place where there isn't consistent internet access? How many of those folks are buying a new laptop, fresh off the shelves with Windows 11 Pro, and like eager to install it? Right? That's probably not the concern that they're having right now. They probably have an older device. They're probably uh, like, I don't know. They probably have just it. I don't know. You get what I'm saying here? Think about this. Yeah. Ten years down the yeah. road, you live in a country where internet access is not widespread. Ten years down the road, and you need a new laptop because you're in school now, and, you know, you need a laptop. It's You're ten years in the future, but you're in a country where internet access is not global. That's very minimal. And you get your, like, assignments and files and stuff through a USB through the school or something, right? Mm-hmm. So everything's offline. And you need Windows because you need Microsoft Word specifically maybe LibreOffice doesn't work something like that right so you need Windows for whatever reason um, how are you gonna use the laptop without yeah. we have to like go out of your way I, to go to a public place internet cafe and then do that I feel like okay, it's a bit yeah. how many I could be just completely out of touch here this could be like a first world thing that I'm doing right now uh-huh. and I right so I, uh-huh. I, I will accept the case <laughs> that that is possible okay. but how many like how many places are there formal education is there formal education happening without any access to internet on those facilities is that is that like, i'm asking i'm not if it's, like, it's 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 common question. just not in the west okay yeah. yeah so in that case then yeah this is genuinely this if this persists and they take it down to not just their pro license right if it becomes the entire licensing of windows 11 mm-hmm. that is problematic yeah, yeah, it just feels unnecessary, you know? Like, why? It's yeah, it's like come on, bro. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I do think like it's not it's not that bad to be like okay, just for the initial setup, and, and you could have solutions where like if you lived in a country without you know consistent internet access, maybe the the store that sold the laptops would have internet that you could mm, uh, yeah. set it up at the store before you brought it home or some, something like that would be like a happy medium maybe so there, there could be a solution but there's solutions I don't, it's I'm just, just annoying that there has to be you know yeah, yeah. I, i'm just not a fan of it's like it's like if your car wouldn't start without windshield washer fluid yeah right. right? Like, like... I, I like this has nothing to do with me driving. My windshield is clean. Like let me drive. It's like an emergency and you don't have it now. Okay, let me. I have to take my going into labor. Let me just quickly fucking pull windshield wiper into my car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me just quickly emergency install Windows 11. <laughs> I don't know about this, guys. It doesn't feel like that big a deal, uh, but yeah, I could see how technically. It could be possible, and I could definitely be just first world blinders. It's not this. a big issue. It's just it's a small inconvenience to people. A lot of like to a lot of people, I think. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah, other parts of the world, where it's like there's a solution. Sure, that yeah, you could activate it there. You could go to internet cafe. You could do whatever. But it's just why. I'm like, you shouldn't have yeah, to. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason for this is they want, uh, <laughs> like, Microsoft has been really trying to push the Microsoft account more, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this, this is something my dad complains about all the time where it's like I want my computer to be its own standalone thing I do not want a, a, a like a Dave account that ports between multiple computers and then I have to deal with all of this crap because we have multiple computers in the house and there's the way we handle things is just 
you know, there's a computer for a person, right? Or, or something mm. like this. Mm -hmm. Instead of migrating the Microsoft accounts and it becomes problematic. But they're pushing the Microsoft account. And this is part of that, right? The installation mm -hmm. requires your Microsoft account because they want to integrate you through their entire ecosystem with a Microsoft account. And it's, it's very much them trying to say, you know, Apple had it right, guys. Apple's integration of your identity across an ecosystem is great. And we want that. And that's, I think, what's happening is Xbox just, is becoming part of the same thing. Let me just join the Microsoft ecosystem with my Windows phone and, and <laughs> like, my oh, Surface yeah. laptop. I don't know. Like, what else do they have? They have, yeah, there's, I mean, Xbox. there's Xbox. Yeah. But there, there is some interesting integration, like, um, I don't know if it's Android or if it's Samsung in particular, but there is the Android Windows. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I, and Apple users have had this for a long time. I copied the OTP on my phone. Like, I literally hold down and copy it, go to my keyboard, control V, boom, it's there. Don't have to, like, type yeah. it out. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to open anything. Just so nice. So good. Yeah. The, the clipboards are, like, synced, and it's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I think, of course, there's, right, if we're talking about the Microsoft account thing, there's huge benefits towards integration into an ecosystem mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of drawbacks like i have to be in your ecosystem to take full advantage of it right and it's annoying and there's mm -hmm. the privacy concerns and, and so on but we'll see we'll see how it plans out all in all whatever windows pro windows 11 pro requires internet access yep I'll, i've said it before i'll say it again windows vista Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Windows Vista, the worst Windows. Windows, the best Windows. <laughs> I watched the documentary on Windows you're Vista, and objectively, it wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. I think yeah. it was just Windows it's, XP was too good. It was I better watched, like, than a whole all modern operating systems. On this. I like so curious. I was like, why? Like, I get it. I hated. It. I used it for a long time too. It was slow, but it wasn't that bad. And I was like, okay, I think it's just. Wrong place, wrong time. Like it had a cool bunch of technologies. It was just too ahead of its time. Maybe it can slow down too much. It was. Blah, blah, blah. It was so ahead of its time. Do you remember the Vista commercials that came out like a year after that were like, "This is Windows." I forgot what they called it. It was like, I don't know, Windows Monero or something. <laughs> Whatever they called it. This is Windows Monero. Um, that's what I'm gonna call it now. And they would have like people come in and it's like, "Wow, it's so fast. Is this the new version of Windows? I love this." And then they would mm -hmm. be like, it's mm -hmm. actually Vista. That was real. That was real. That was real. That wasn't just a marketing ploy. That was real. I wish it was oh just an ad. Gosh. I wish it was just an ad. That was real. No, it was. Like, they marketed. It was the whole ad. There was, like, they had people's faces. And it was like, I love the new Windows Vista. Now that I thought it was Monero. Like, I don't know why I've decided that it's called this cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> it was something like that. No, you're exactly right. The dog right? Was, it yeah, started no. with an M, didn't it? It was like, I forgot. But no, you're right. That did happen. And I just, yeah. I just like the colorful circular Windows logo in the uh, the bottom left corner. That was, That's the only reason I like <sighs> one, uh, Windows Vista for. It was, a, was, it was very 3D. I prefer the like new it, one. Yeah. I prefer Windows 10. No, I like the, I I wish this is what I wish. I wish I could apply the old Windows design language to my computer right now. You can. Like you, you can. can? You said the tinker yeah. bit, you can. Oh, I'm gonna do that. Oh god. This one looks I'm so gonna jank. wreck my computer. This one looks so broken. You're gonna have all these <laughs> universal Windows platform apps to like look super modern and then the taskbar is just gonna be like <laughs> ten years out of date. I love that. 
it's funny because like they made it such a big deal for Windows 11. We're moving to this glassy, this frosted glass interface. And uh-huh. you look at Windows Vista. It's like the same and thing. And it is. <laughs> yeah. It is frosted glass everything. But it's three. Now it's 2D. <laughs> yeah. Now great. It's 2D. I'm glad it's flat and glassy instead of three dimensional and glassy. Hot Nailed take. Glass. Windows 11 looks beautiful. Just saying. I love it. It looks I think so it's gorgeous. Good. It looks so good. Yeah. I think it's the. Yeah. It's uh even like the like the tooltips and the right click menu and the context menus. Dude, ooh, so uh, good. As far as I'm concerned, they just didn't go far enough. Uh, yeah. There's a few places where things are still perfectly square and they, it's clear Classic that it's like, Windows. You didn't fix this. <laughs> Classic Microsoft. Yeah. There's always a dialog. There's still a dialog box in Windows 11 and Windows 10 that's like from Windows 95 or Windows ME or something. Oh yeah. Really? They, I mean, they do uh, that all the time. Yeah. There's still. Why do we still have the original control panel? Why is that? Right, we have yeah. a proper like. There's a the settings, settings menu, menu. but there's still why things, are we not using that? There's still things I can't do from the settings menu, like uninstall stuff easily. <laughs> like, bro, come on. The, yeah. the new settings menu is way better. It's so much better than before. Uh, so they've they've done a great job of improving that. I think in general, everything they've done is is great. They just didn't do enough. They, they should too, have they covered just, more stuff. Yeah, they like did it too shallow. It's like yeah. update all the dialog boxes, not just some of them. Do everything. Yeah, I want a full overhaul. Where's One the consistency? Thing I will, yeah, like people know, I'm not an Apple person. I I rag on Apple all the time, but the one thing that they're good at is consistency across their dialog, like across their design language. When they say yeah. this is the new Apple design language, everything has it, and it is there's nothing that doesn't right and if anyone wants to write an app for them they're like okay cool and it has to do what we tell you to do like it has to fit our design language unlike on windows where it's like anybody can write an app for windows and it can look like whatever it wants yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they do that well they just uh don't allow internet very well (laughs) (laughs) i've been uh i've been ranting about windows for longer than i expected i would so yeah, yeah. I think it is time where uh, we plug Amazon. Anyone want to plug Amazon Prime subscriptions? Before? Amazon Prime guys, um, you can get free two-day shipping on thousands of items <laughs> uh, across Amazon. And as this this really like niche bonus is that every month you get one free Prime sub. Um, and if you haven't used it and are looking for a um, creator to use it on uh we're a, a small podcast and we would Grassroots. definitely appreciate Grassroots. it also i did start the poll just now um Perfect. for which manages the best opinions it's it's built it's like the native one now so it looks really cool there's like a thing at the top right of the chat you guys can click on click on the drop down menu and you can vote and it's kind of okay. cool i won't vote but this does look great um yeah but genuinely we would absolutely appreciate your support. If you have an Amazon Prime to use, please feel free to use or it. Or if on you have us. disposable and income. Yeah. 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 We take your disposable it. income. Yeah. We're, we're students here. Please. We're the garbage collectors like you of get disposable ten income. Subs. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would like to support the stream in some way, uh, tell a friend. Just let them know. If you think they're interested in tech news and would like the show, invite them out to watch it with you sometime. And we would certainly appreciate the uh, the support that way as well thank you very thank you very much 
Yeah. Who's voting? Also, How's voting going? One, one. Voting is has ended with two votes. Oh. Only two. Yeah. Not, Should we restart bro, that? We gotta I run it longer. We gotta restart it. Uh, yeah, re restart that thing. Let's do uh, which <laughs> man's had the best. I have to retype it every time. It's so annoying. Come on, Twitch. I believe in you. One Mac, of these days, Mac. we're gonna get somebody to like run the technical part of it, so that Nasher can actually just be there for the show. Yeah. Just, just yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah, cool. So that you guys can see his personality. <laughs> <laughs> his sparkling personality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there we go. There's a poll again. Everyone, please vote for which man has the best opinion. I'm not voting. Me neither. We want this to be a proper democratic process. Today it was yep. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Today was okay. the, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Mac did say Windows Vista is the best Windows, so that's pretty rough. Yeah. Did he? Yep. Oh. Yeah, he did. I like he being controversial. <laughs> hey, it wasn't that bad. I'm just saying. Top two Windows. Number one, Windows Vista. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> Windows 8. <laughs> Wow, you are controversial. Against my vote. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Got to get some more votes in there. Yeah, let's get this voting going. We, re we really need to get to the bottom of this. We need to know who truly is the man with the best opinion to this week. Yeah. It's important. Remember, everybody, a vote for me is a vote for your future. I got. I have no tagline. Just, just I don't know. I don't need a tagline. Oh. oh, wow, spicy. Wow. You took that one step further. Yeah, I did. You don't have one because you're just you're not thinking of it. I don't have one because it's intentional. That's impressive. We are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh right. my gosh, it's a three-way tie. That's insane. Ugh. That's crazy. I don't like sharing the spotlight. Uh, let me just yeah, quickly grab this. You do that every week, man. There's three of us here. <laughs> Hey, did I say I liked it? Oh, <laughs> oh true, true. All right. Nasher's going to launch his own segment on the stream. We're going to do it. He's going to do it another day of the week, and it's just going to be him. So. It's just going to be me. Just yeah. me. Yeah. Where is the science? Oh, there we go. It's going to be Nasher, but me and Nathan are going to be disrespectful in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> like, this show's not as good. Where are the other two guys? They're the yeah. funny ones. <laughs> Oh, a, I thought Bacon was the other guy. There's a <laughs> podcast called This Week in Tech. Oh, what? Really? Yeah, ran by two elderly nice people. So we'll uh, let's do it. Let's 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 uh, rate them. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, if you uh, want more tech news, we're sending you over to get some more. I hope they're not as funny as us, because then our niche is filled. Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> But thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Oh, Twitch can't let me raid. It's saying there's an issue. Thank you, Twitch. 15 subs. That is big. That is big. Twitch wow. just hitting me with the try again later. Thank you, uh -huh. Twitch. <laughs> All right. Let's just call it a day then. Wait Shall a we? second. Oh, that channel can be raided. So we're going to raid MT Tigard instead. The guy we always raid. So. All right. Sounds MT Tigard. All righty. Well... well Oh, jeez. Wow, that was like... No, you do it. You do it. No, no, you do it. No, no, no. I did the intro. It's uh, all you. Well, uh, thanks for coming. Uh, please tune in again next week at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays for the next episode, episode 2.7 of the Magical Opinion Podcast. Otherwise, thanks for coming. Yeah. See ya. See ya. Bye, folks. <laughs>